Hi, and welcome to the Heart Breath Therapist. This is Loretta Cella, and today I'm talking about inner child and shadow work, except I'm not. We are hearing a lot of this over the last few weeks about inner child and shadow work and working through that and healing our inner child. And I want to put a little bit of a different spin on it. When we talk about inner child work and we talk about shadow work, They are one and the same from my perspective. And I'm only going to share from my perspective. And maybe I should back up just a little bit more. Anytime you hear about inner child and shadow work, each practitioner and or um, person sharing this information, because some people share a lot of this information and they actually don't have information. They've just maybe, they've not had a background in counseling or coaching they haven't done the psychology work around it. Um, they're doing it more from an energetic standpoint versus a psychological standpoint versus a neuroscience standpoint versus. So I try to do it from all perspectives because I have training and background in all perspectives. And I want to share with you a way of maybe if you're one of those people who are like, yeah, I've done a little bit of work of inner child. I've gone in my past. I've done some counseling. I've done some pieces around that. Um, but I'm still left with these beliefs about myself. And so I want to just kind of backtrack, talk a little bit about, um, how to transform these without having to constantly relive the past. When we relive the path in the story over and over again, it can become quite cathartic and it can be emotionally um, shifting and then we kind of tie labels or tie connection to the story and then we live into the story. When I was a child, this happened, so this is why this happens. And it's not necessarily healing it, but it's recognizing and it's absolutely part of the healing process when we recognize the story, what had contributed to our actions today. So I want to back up for a moment and I'm going to share something with you that um, comes from a psychological standpoint. This first piece is not my own. It belongs to a gentleman named John Solano, who I worked with over a decade ago. Um, and, um, I want to talk about this, um, the indulgence triangle, which is what he calls it. And I want to talk about how it ties to trauma. And I want to talk about how it can be transformed to create a new connection to uh, a new way of being. Um, my daughter is upstairs having a conversation with somebody. So you may hear a child in the background. That is not me ignoring my child, but this is an opportunity for me to be able to share this information in a time and a space that I feel very timely about. So I want to go first. I'll start with John Solano's stuff and then I'll move forward. So, um, when I worked with John, we worked with high, high risk in need youth. Um, most of them involved with drugs, prostitution, street life, criminal activity, foster homes. Like they have had the gamut of trauma and experiences in their lives. And we would provide them 150 hours of life skills. And then we would support them through their work experience with Starbucks. It was one of the first times that a corporate and a nonprofit came together to create this opportunity for youth and it was an extremely powerful program with very high return on investment from the government um and so basically what the fundamental piece is that we would get the youth ready in this 150 hours is john would walk them through this indulgence triangle which basically says um, and if John's listening to this, he may want to correct me. Um, but I think I did it enough times with him to kind of walk through it that the ages of zero to between the ages of zero and 
13, he says, but even the ages of zero and nine, whatever um, our guardians or those that were responsible for taking care of us, mother, father, grandparents, whoever, whatever we did not get in a basic need, food, shelter, water, safety, belonging, love, and connection, whatever we didn't get in that particular stage of our lives um, is a, a trauma that we experience. It creates a belief and or physical, mental, emotional, and psychological challenges within our life. When we get to the age about 13, and 13 is used as kind of the adolescent switch, 12, 13, we then become entitled to take whatever it is that we um, we're missing in some form or fashion or another. So food, think of food, shelter, water, safety, love, belonging, connection, safety. If that was not present or a sense of that was not present in the first stages of our lives, we then as adolescents, we think about that rebellion, right? Um, we get that taken from our lives and when we get that taken from our lives, we then start to then take it and this comes in the form of self-sabotaging behavior which look like addictions theft uh, relationship abuse uh other sorts of abuse trauma hypersexualization you name it all of these different things come from those pieces not being present <clears throat> excuse me and then what happens is we begin to spiral and we hit a bottom we burn out from that behavior physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, something happens, we hit a bottom, we go back kind of up and we start to create these survival mechanisms. And then something happens to re-trigger that earlyhood trauma. And then we cycle again and again. So we just keep cycling over and over again. If you've done my trauma to transformation work, um, this ties to my model where we have a trauma, which is an abrupt separation from self. We then um, become a victim when that food, shelter, water, safety, love, belonging, connection, think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? If you don't know that, just Google it. You'll see a triangle with all of these phases of development and or self-realization. And then what happens is, is that that basic need gets replenished. We become a survivor. So think of when I say John's thing, we hit bottom, my goodness, we hit bottom. And then what happens is we then kind of move up until we're re-triggered. So we hit into survival mode. When we're in survival mode, we will get triggered again because the story and the belief is still there. And then um, we go back into victim and we create additional cycles with food, sex, drugs, uh, money, uh, relationship issues, um, violence, uh, a, you know, a different type of addiction, gambling, um, anger can actually be an interesting one that shows up that people don't recognize outbursts of anger, um, because we're putting up and putting up, putting up, and then we blow. That is actually a trauma response. And, um, and then what happens is if we, we hit a bottom and eventually that bottom becomes so big that we either, we need to make a change, hopefully. Um, unless we're like super stubborn and strong and then we hang on to it forever. But if we have the ability to find that within our genetics, within our disposition, within our, you know, the way that we're raised and we're willing to work through it and we've had enough, then we can step into a shift, which would require us to change the story. Um, and that changing of story can happen in a number of different ways so that we can create a sense of thriving. You may want to listen to this a couple times because I'm going through it really quickly. But basically, we cycle, all of us, all human beings cycle through this. 
that victim state or that trauma state in, in John's model from zero to 13 and or my victim state that happens as an adult, all of that is tied together. They are stories or beliefs that we have about ourselves that do not have, uh, have us to believe that we are whole, completely lovable and enough. And there's other variabilities of, of that as well. So that's what happens. And then what occurs is um, we never feel a sense of full satisfaction or in our whole self. And we become more and more distanced from our heart space. And we may be spiritual bypass. We may do all these kind of therapies. We, we may avoid all kinds of therapies um, because we know that when we do this, there is some additional work to do. And so this is why the inner child work I think has become so powerful right now is because people are like, okay, I can't after, you know, two, three years of like this pandemic stuff going on and they've been sitting with themselves and the stuff has come up. Um, even people in, you know, white collared positions, um, now not able to lead properly because they have all this stuff coming up and they don't know how to work through it. And so we go to this inner child space when in reality, if we look at it from a different lens, it is about something that was not given when we needed it most in our vulnerable state. And as a result, we have this pathway of taking it back or getting constantly re-triggered until we work on it. And so when I look at this from my work lens over the last 14 years in helping people, and that's really what I've been doing is unlocking the block. What are the blocks, the one or two blocks, these core stories that are tied to this, you know, quote unquote, inner child shadow stuff. Um, When we work through that, the patterns stop. There's no need for them because the system does no, the physical system, the neurological system, the emotional system, the energetic system just it's like, okay, I actually don't need to repeat this pattern anymore because I've healed it and moved through it. And now I can accept and connect to whatever lies ahead and creating abundance and curating my life from a more empowered place. When I channel, I go really fast. (laughs) So that's what happens. And so when I created the Lead with Heart program, that was the whole point, especially for women, especially cycles of burnout, especially those who have been not living in an empowered place, who've been cycling through their own variations of addictions because they've not looked at this quote unquote shadow work of not enoughness, not lovable, whatever it is that the variations, we all have variations of what this looks like for us. So... Um, In this program, I created the tools to be able to support that. So we go through the inner leadership model, which looks at self and values and how we see ourselves in a connection to self and building our inner house. We talk about community and resourcing ourselves with the right types of people. And do we have that? And if we don't, how do we get that? And how do we curate that from a place of love and wholeness? And then we move into service and um, what we're doing in the world in our path. We talk about those unconscious blocks. We talk about our heart messages. We talk about the connection. And then we stop talking. And in the breath work, in the heart breath, we use our heart energy and our breath and energetics to move the inner layers of that experiences out of our body through our breath, through energetics, through an empowered place of being. So we stop talking about the repetitive story, that cathartic energy, and create and connect to a new space of being in connection. So that's a lot in 11 minutes and 44 seconds. Um, But I wanted to share this with you, that there are ways of doing this inner child's shadow work without this deep... 
I mean, sometimes we need that deep crying, screaming, yelling, and that's why breath work is really great because you can get to that place without talking about the actual story. You just move that energy out of the body. And sometimes in the heart breath, we, we have those visualizations of path experience, past experiences and past, um, traumas and energy in the body. And we start to cry and laugh and get angry and move this energy. Um, that's why I include the release. That's why we step into the release. Um, and being able to move that out of the system um, by screaming, yelling, kicking, shouting, getting it all out and having that adult tantrum that we don't get to have that as children we get to have to regulate our systems. Tantrums for children are important to regulate their systems. They need to get that energy out. The more energetic your little person is, if you have a little person or you as a person, if you were, for example, if you were told not to have tantrums and to shut it down, shut it down, your system never learned to regulate itself. And so that's why this breath work, this, this heart breath is so important, um, in working with it. And it's also so important. And so this is what I offer in my services that, you know, other folks may not, when you're doing traditional breath work, holotropic, anything that creates a body sensation or experience for you. It is so important that that facilitator create and hold space for you um, and or that you receive help or connection when you're going through the process. You should never be left in a breathwork session with what is sitting in the system after to support the integration. So after you have this release in a heart breath session, I'm kind of going all over the place, but I feel like this is really important um, because I see a lot of uh, breathwork practitioners do this. You have your session and you're like, okay, you're good. No, you need an integration period. And sometimes you need questions answered about your experience that you're having. This is something that I offer in every single class. I stay online regardless of the time of the class for half an hour afterwards to ensure that if anybody has questions about their experience, I provide tools to amplify the integration so that you can have a more um, connected experience with ease and grace. So you're not left in this high emotional state. There are tools that I provide all my participants, uh, whether you're one-on-one -on -one or in groups about how to integrate, uh, more in a speedy way, but more with more ease and grace is the most important piece. Um, so there are components, I guess what I'm trying to move through here, uh, and for some reason downloading it very fast. And so I'm just going to slow, consciously slow myself down, inner child work and shadow work is truly for those of you especially who cannot grasp or sitting too much in this, I have inner child work. Um, I think it's great that you do that, but that's not going to help you. <laughs> it's not going to help you to move through this. What's going to help you to move through it is choosing to do the work. And the work doesn't necessarily have to mean going to a therapist for 10 years. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to um, uh, live in this. Um, don't come near me. And I've seen people do this. I've got a lot of stuff going on right now and sometimes that's important and at the same time sometimes that's just a way of not doing the work so sometimes the work is actually in the connection with other and often it is first it's with ourselves and then with other there's so many pieces to this but the key is for this um, kind of just sum it up is those stories that these experiences create 
And if we can shift the story or the verbiage internally that you are not worthy enough, not enough, not lovable, not whatever, that is when the transformation happens. And when we do that on an energetic level, using our heart energy and our quiet time and creating that inner freedom space and connecting to nature through this process, it is unbelievable. So I just wanted to... I wanted to dump that maybe. Maybe it was a bit of a rant, (laughs) Um, an informational rant um, about creating possibilities. But I've seen it in less than 90 days, people transforming their lives and creating unbelievable pathways of success for themselves and awarenesses and understandings, um, sometimes as little as 25 days, creating new businesses that have been blocked because of this quote-unquote inner child shadow stuff that when they reformatted their beliefs or their values around what it was about themselves and really connecting from this place incredible things begin to emerge very very quickly so um, you are worthy you are lovable and there are a tremendous amount of opportunities for you waiting waiting for you to step in as soon as you take that opportunity to sit and be with self to create change. So I'll leave that with you. 